We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's one of Australia's great voices, Casey Donovan! <laughs> and our panel, Subby Valentine, Gene Kitson and Rob Carlton. And our audience this week, drawn from Dubbo, Bellingen, Holbrook, Marrickville, Borkham Hills and Barara. First, as always, here is the news from nowhere. It's Father's Day on Sunday, and in celebration, here's what I have learnt so far about being a father. One, father is a verb as well as a noun. (laughs) It's a doing word. The title is not that glorious unless you decide to do something with it. Two, the anxiety is never-ending. To have a child is to be a hostage to fortune. Decades after they are born, they are about to take a driving trip and a knot forms in your stomach. Even at age 80, I imagine, I'll be chanting, hope he arrives safe. (laughs) Three, they make you fat. (laughs) Most of us started out thin. (laughs) Then we had children. Our expanding waistlines are largely the result of eating the leftovers on their plates. That's why parents implore their children to finish your dinner. That's why we go on about the poor children in Africa. We know we lack all self-control when we arrive at the sink to clean up. Four, they ruin your sleep pattern. Before we had kids, we used to stay up till one in the morning and sleep until we were good and ready. Then the children came along and woke us at dawn, every dawn, screaming as if being flayed with whips. Now, trained by them, we wake up at dawn ourselves and will every morning until we die. (laughs) The only problem, the children now stay up late, sleep till noon and look askance when we go to bed, exhausted at (laughs) 9pm. Five, children express endlessly the possibility of life. I'm not saying life is bad, but after a while the trajectory of your life becomes fairly clear, both in its glorious achievements and in its pesky limitations. Your children, though, represent the excitement of doors yet to be opened. Romance, career twists and turns, babies. This supplies fresh interest and intrigue just when you have run short of your own. (laughs) Six, everything is worth it for this moment. They are nine years old, verbal, clever and engaged, yet they remain sufficiently ignorant to believe their father is funny. (laughs) He is knowledgeable, he is dependable, he is capable, he is a god among men. That's the look they flash you. You accept this promotion from your nine-year-old and bask in the endless, glorious invincibility of being a dad. Seven. A year later, 
They are now 10 years old. They have been forced by incoming information to revise their views. It has come to their attention. Their father is flawed, dim, certainly very unfunny. Already they have beaten you once at Scrabble, twice at Monopoly, and come so close to beating you at chess, you had to stage a coughing fit and retire rapidly from the room. <laughs> Strange but true, your most fervent hope now is that they will go on to beat you at everything else life has to offer. But hopefully they'll do it slowly. Nine. Most of the time they will return to their positive, wide-eyed, nine-year-old view of their father, if given time. A lot of time. <laughs> Ten, meanwhile, in their younger years, they provide a perfect excuse for not going out on a Saturday night and for escaping a boring party. Sorry, babysitting problems, I've got to go. Twelve, always they supply fresh pastures. Competitive swimming, pistol shooting, ikibana. Really, it could be anything. First of all, you become interested because they are interested. Then you become interested because, damn it, this stuff is interesting by which time they've moved on, declaring it all boring. <laughs> you clean up the house. Thirteen, they're perfect, at least when viewed through your doting eyes. If they wake up all night when young, it's a sign of intelligence. If they sleep well all the night through, it's a sign of intelligence. If they are argumentative, it's a sign of intelligence. If they are polite, it's a... Well, you get the idea. Did I mention... They're perfect. 14. They provide a really good reason for going to work. Bored in your job? Boss, a bit of a dick? Find it hard to get up in the morning? Well, here you go, matey. Take these two kids and feed them for the next 20 years. <laughs> Suddenly, your motivation for going to work doesn't seem so hard to locate. 15. And maybe most important... They teach you the joys of taking pleasure in tiny things. What's so good, for example, about a stick? Yet here's the five-year-old boy walking through the Australian bush, sticks in his pockets, sticks in his hands, a stick lodged jauntily in his belt like a pirate's cutlass. Soon he has so many sticks, you end up carrying several more sticks on his behalf. But don't drop one, because he'll know. And you'll have to go back, stepping over hundreds of other sticks to find that particular stick. Why? Because it was the best stick. Remarkably, you see his point. So happy Father's Day. The gifts, I think it's fair to say, have already been delivered. And that's the news I'm, I'm, really, I'm really hoping for a stick now, Richard. Yeah, they're good, aren't they? I think, oh, my son's yeah. got a few tucked away. I think yeah, I might yeah, good. They're, they're, they're good. And, and each one is so different, even though they <laughs> appear to look the same. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, let us uh, check you are up with this week's news. Uh, Subby Valentine, Gene Kitson, Rob Carlton. Let's test them out. Who proved that he's not necessarily a good un? A good un. Um, a good un. 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 Who Kim proved he's Young. not a kid? Good un. This will be Kim. <laughs> Yong-un. I prefer to call him Fat Boy Kim. It's so much easier. Fat Boy, this is about, he's not a good... Un. Un. He's not a good un. 
He's not a good one because he's been doing all that missile stuff and, and he's caused everybody to worry and he's caused the stock markets to flutter. Yeah. I don't know why stock markets flutter, but they do, don't they? They flutter. I don't know why stock markets go up and down just because of the fat boy Kim doing this. I mean, it's not going to... Why do stock markets do that? Well, because they're worried it might impact on... I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Yeah, you don't really. We don't. I think they're just nervous chooks. I think they've just had too much coffee or too much <laughs> cocaine or something like that. You know, because if you burst a paper bag in the stock markets, does everyone, you know, jump on chairs and pee themselves? I mean, I think they're really like if before Guam they pee gets, themselves, they buy shares and depends. Well, that's yeah. <laughs> Well, see, this is my... I'm getting to a point here because <laughs> this is like if Guam gets, you know, knocked, mm. missiled, mm. Um, why do stock markets care about that? I mean, do they have, do they have shares in the Guam film, in, film industry? You know Guam has made exactly one film? And right? it was called Max Havoc, The Curse of the Dragon. And you can keep that fact for your next trivia night, OK? Any good, Jean? Yeah, it's extremely good, so I believe. <laughs> it's got two stars. There, there was another film uh, about Guam, but they shot that in the Philippines. Uh, yeah, that's true. That was but my Guam in 60 is... seconds, wasn't it? Was that the one? <laughs> my point is that every excitement is, is maybe, you know, like if it's every, every time there's excitement, all the stock markets sell, 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 and then people buy, buy, and then people, smart people buy, buy, buy. And my theory is that fat boy Kim has invested heavily in top Australian shares like the CBA or Bega or something, and he is deliberately making the stock market flutter to buy up more. We've all seen the big short, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that's Kim. He's the original. He's yeah. a walking big short. Yeah. He's so, the so it's all about short. the price of Bega cheese. Exactly. Wow. He's doing that on purpose. Uh, so yeah. That, yeah. I, I think I think Gene's onto something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I do. I, I think if we know anything about Fatboy Kim is that he's a student of history. Mm. Um, he had a look at Saddam and for years they were saying, Saddam, you've got nuclear weapons. And he was saying no. And then Fatboy Kim saw what happened to Saddam. And so they came over to Fatboy Kim and, and he, they said, you've got nuclear weapons. He said, too right I do. <laughs> they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And then they're like, whoa, we didn't expect you to say that. And he said, man, they're everywhere. I've got hundreds of these things. He's like, don't do what you did to Saddam to me. Don't do that. And then they, and then they said, oh, don't worry, but your, your nuclear weapons can't reach us. He said, bullshit. <laughs> they go everywhere. And he started firing them left, right and centre. And why he's picked Guam, that's heartbreaking. It is. The Guamanians have done nothing. <laughs> Poor Guamanians. Poor Guamanians. You know, I mean, you know, they, I mean, so they're, they're US citizens, hmm. but they, because they're a territory, they don't get to choose the president. They've got no say. They're sitting there, like, in the middle of the Pacific, thinking, how far away are we from everything? And the whole world's going, no, mate, you're right in the middle. <laughs> Is that right? Because they're a territory, but they don't get a vote. They don't get, Is no. Right? So they've got an elected representative with a non-binding vote um, in, in, the, in, uh-huh. the, in the House. Uh-huh. So the Guamanians... Is... The only thing I know about Guam is it is... You know that famous story about the Japanese soldier who didn't know the war was over yeah. and was still in the jungle and came out in the 1970s, I think? Mm. That was Guam. Oh, that was incredible. That was Guam. Well, that was because... OK, so Guam has a tough time. I don't need to tell you about the 1688 smallpox ep- epidemic that mowed <laughs> the, the place down. Richard, you, you're a master at that history of Guam. I, I know. Um, and then, of course, the Americans took it off the Spanish in 1898. Again, I know you're across that. But the key with that Japanese thing, two and a half years the Japanese spent in Guam. And to be honest, they weren't kind to the Guamanians. Mm. The Guamanians had a very tough trot 
the whole time. And so here we are again. We thought, admittedly, 29% of their land mass is American military base. So it feels like they've got a little target on their back. Who needs to look up Wikipedia themselves when you've got <laughs> Rob Carlton? Yeah, go Rob. No. Go Rob. Subby, I, oh, no, I, I just think sometimes he's, he's a misunderstood chap, old... Um, Fat Boy Kim. Fat Boy Kim, I think, because he... Look, he smiles a lot. My oh. mum would have loved him because you know, you know, mum's always got a nice smile, hasn't he? Like he's always grinning. He's, he's enjoying he's himself. Happy fella. I think he's. I think he's misunderstood. I think. I think he's a lovely guy in there trying to get out. And admit, you're right. I actually. think about three of them. Yeah, that's well, right. Well, it's interesting you mention. I mean, because it's tough. I mean, you know what it's like being the, the fat boy, the only fat boy in your class. Yeah. Imagine being the only fat boy in the whole country. Exactly Richard. right. Oh, I, I, I like the rest him. are starving. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like him more than his dad. Put it that way. Oh, well, so, you know, yeah. he's, you know, his yeah. dad was a golf champion, though. That's his, true. His that's, dad that's very claimed true, to be able to that's do hole seven, in one. <laughs> seven do holes in one in a single yeah, yeah. game. Yeah. You well, can do Sadly, Kim, his, his young son's just trying to do with missiles. That's the scary thing with his hole in one. Oh, look, another hole in one. Oh, hang on. There's goes Guam. Yeah, he yeah. created his own hole. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. You know, if he does shoot a missile over Japan that doesn't fall apart, he will be crushed like a marshmallow by a Toyo- Toyota Hilux of Doom. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. The Japanese will get back at him. <laughs> what, with a faulty airbag? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who... <laughs> argued that Hard the Labor... Know. Who argued that the Labor leader is Russian in the wrong direction? Who argued that the Labor leader is Russian in the wrong direction? Well, this is... A, the Liberal Party have gone a bit nuts. It was Matthias, wasn't it? Our old mate. Who's, um, Matthias and Scott double And uh, Scott, they've just gone... That accused him basically as being some sort of commie. Mm. That Bill Shorten's... They've gone all a bit reds under the bed, haven't they? Yeah. Like, they're going to get back to the terrible days of the 70s and 80s. That before, was hor- before the Berlin Wall came down. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. Remember those terrible days of, you know, affordable childcare and <laughs> all that <laughs> caring for other people and all that sort of stuff before three people owned all the houses, all that sort of, all those terrible times. Don't want to get back there. Yeah. I think most people, but that, that, that was quite good. I remember that. I want to get my winkle pickers back on. I've got some skinny ties. What's wrong with the 80s? These yeah. guys have got problems. Yeah. This, this is what happened in the UK because the Daily Mail, which is a very conservative paper, yeah. with sort of slightly older readership, and they said, Jeremy Corbyn, don't vote for him. He'll take you back to the 70s. And the whole readership of the Daily Mail went, oh, that sounds right. That's exactly right. <laughs> You don't want to cup of tea cost in the 1970s. <laughs> That's right. Where, 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 when do we start? <laughs> exactly. Well, they, did, yeah. they, they talked about economic time travel. Yeah. And yes. to be honest, Richard, I'm yes. thrilled by it because I've been, I've been waiting mm-hmm. for this. I've been stockpiling <laughs> all sorts of things that were once, um, you know, valuable mm. and, and that aren't now. I, I've got, if we go all the way back to the 1600s, mate, I've got tulips coming out the wazoo. <laughs> oh, I do. I've got tulips. If we go back further, like to Phoenician, to, I've got so much salt stockpiled <laughs> and ready to go. I'm ready for this. Mate, aluminium, if we just go back to like the 1800s there. I, I've been so I was thrilled. I, I read this and I thought I am on a winner. Stock markets can flutter all they want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim, what do you think of the, this? Is a bit 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 reds under the beds, isn't it? Well, I don't know why they're worried. I don't know why they're saying you know they're calling Bill. This is Matthias Corman and Scott Morrison yeah, accusing yeah. him of being like um, uh, Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn. I don't know what why that would worry them because. They lost. <laughs> you know, like, so it's not a big Bill. problem. Yeah, yeah. And Bernie was beaten by Hillary and she was on the same side. So, but, you know, like, I, so I don't know. The government is banging on about Red Bill and things and turning Australia into East Germany if he can. But why would anyone, you know, remember the East German economic miracle when the wall came down? They realised that East Germany didn't actually even have an economy mm. at all. You know, they'd and forgotten, the, yeah. 
Yeah, they they supplied Russia with the worst cars ever, the Trabant. They were they were built from out of fibro or something like that, <laughs> and they had actual kerosene heaters on the floor. And then the Russians gave them really old food, I think, in re- mm. in return. Mm. On the other hand, everyone remembers the East German swimming miracle. Oh, Remember I the women's women's team? Mm. They could have played for the Roosters. <laughs> they there were was... the original. Gender fluidity. <laughs> now, while there was something suspect about their, their drug use there, I tell you what, it was a wonderful thing to see them churning up the water. Well, no, I mean, that was just... That was the human body pushed to its ultimate. Mm. The only thing that slowed them down was the beards. <laughs> <laughs> Outboard motors with... Uh, final question from this week's news. Who gave a mother a dressing down when it came to her son's clothing choices? Who got a dressing, a dress, a dressing down? It's a bit of a weird story, isn't it? Because the the um, the respectful debate has kicked off, which yeah, is yeah. great. That's hasn't that worked well so far? The uh, everyone's being very civilized. This is the same sex, no, same thing, sex yeah. thing. So, but the the ad, so the woman in the ad claimed that her son was told that he could wear a dress, but then the teacher, the headmaster, wasn't mm, it? I think yeah, yeah. came out and said that that, that was a lie. Was, yeah. No one actually said that, but, but also you admit to saying that if you yeah. But also, to. who the hell cares? Yeah. Like, if how did same sex marriage become about? Cross-dressing. Well, okay. Have they been watching the footy show too much? Or what, what is... Okay, so, how, is so, how is this an issue? Stubby, two things. I care. Yeah. Because I wore a dress to school once yeah. and in an effort to win the, um, the book week. Because, um, yeah. you know, you look at the Oscars and you go, oh, you've got to you know, really yeah. change yourself a lot. Yeah. And I, I was in second class and I, I had that stuff and I thought, Goldilocks. If I go as Goldilocks, nice. right... But I never won a thing. What? Um, it's heartbreaking. You're I know. Robbed. And You're I robbed. was robbed. That's what I thought. Now, obviously, how old were you, Rob? Thirty-two. I was, I was like, no, <laughs> no. I must have been. I must have been eight. But I think then, looking back, they must have thought I was a little girl, so I didn't get the extra points for, uh... for wearing the dress. Anyway, so the reason I mention all of that is that this is just this is a touchy subject for me. <laughs> I can't, I can't let it go, and it, and, it, and it kind of. And if if I find the teacher that didn't give me the prize, it's it's that's what this stuff brings up. Oh, it God. just makes no it's sense, painful. really. I mean, also there's plenty of dressed and skirt wearing traditionally. I mean, I loved a sarong when I was in yeah. Bali. I don't know what, what is that. Mm. I don't. It didn't make me going to marry someone of my own sex. And if I did, who cares? But I mean, what I don't. It's a weird mix of things. The, the air conditioning is very it's, good with the sarong. It's just it? fantastic yeah. with the sarong. Well, I love the, it. The, the key and the kilt. And a kilt. The, the key the, I think their argument is you can't wear a dress until you join the clergy. I think that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. We have Sophie Valentine, Jean Kitson and Rob Carlton. Now, statues and sculptures have been in the news all week, from the statues of Cook and Macquarie and whether they need new plaques to Clover Moore's giant cloud arch, the cost of which has trebled to $11.3 million dollars due to the rising price of steel. What statues and artworks would you like to see in order to capture Australian history and culture? Subby Valentine. First of all, 11.3 million. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Really? It's a lot of steel. Rob, we could knock something up, couldn't we? I mean... Yep, give us a go. Give us a... Well, we'd quote on, what, half a mil? We could sort something out. We'd do that, yeah. Get some director's fees out of that. And Mm. the price of steel... Mm. What about... They're trying to do something with recycling aluminium cans... Yeah, Adelaide, Adelaide. Talk to South Australia. They love recycling. They're going to start, they got, they, they they're gonna start happening here. So, have you, have you got access to steel and the tools? No, I'm doing aluminium. We're doing aluminium. Rob, we'll, mm. Don't worry about it. We'll sort it out. <laughs> Give me a call, Clover. Call me. <laughs> um, other things we should do. I reckon the problem is because it's a lot of people and it's all a bit boring. So we need some Australian innovation. And, and mm. so some of the things that haven't been done, I would like to see, and this is practical as well, 
a, a sort of a monument to the wine cask. Yeah. Because <laughs> we invented the wine cask, ladies and gentlemen. We didn't know that. What a great contribution and, to the and world. Gro- and Grove Wines in South Australia invented it, yeah. That's right. So we, so we could do that. And also the beauty of that is the, the tap could work. Is, so, that, is that the practical nature of Yeah, you could just go offering. and fill up. Yeah, great. Oh, look at that. You fancy a Moselle, darling? And you go and fill up. Because it has to be a Moselle if it's it in a cask. It has to be a Moselle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a fruity Lexia. And you can change the variety every now and again. It would be great. And it would be like a filling station. We'd all I love that. I think you're heading into the big it is, it is into the bigs a little the bit. Big well, would, would you massive. do it like a Goon of Fortune on a Hills Hoist? That's, that's a thus, possibility. Thus celebrating two, two that's right. Aussie well, that, inventions Well, I'd like to time. see a monument to the Hills Hoist because if you did that, be, it would just be a Hills Hoist. So <laughs> they've already been made. So that would be easy. That would cost another $11.3 million rubbish. Just go, oh, there's a monument to the Hills Hoist. Oh, just put the washing on it. That'd be fine. It's already it's good to go. There's one in every backyard. That'd be no, brilliant. But you have to make a giant one, wouldn't you? Well, well big-ish. Because <laughs> you don't want to get into the big world. That's what Jean's, you know, because we, we've got too many big things yeah. and our statues aren't necessarily massive. So it's, it's a tricky business. I haven't thought, thought this through at but all. If anyway, you uh, big, if you had a big... No, 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 now going through it, it feels like Clover's done a great job. <laughs> that's right, yeah, yeah. Because the other yeah. ones I was thinking about, the, I don't know how we do the, the uh, monument to Wi-Fi. That's a bit tricky. But again, we'd all get to use it. So I don't know. That's sort of an ephemeral thing, the, the Wi-Fi. Yeah, invented good. by the CSIRO. That's right. So they're yeah. all good Aussie inventions. Yeah. But the other, the other problem with the statues that we have, they're all a bit stuffy, you know, people just <laughs> giving it all that and they're pretty boring, so they need to spice it up a bit. So we need statues like Bob Hawke, but like drinking out of the yard of ale. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's sort of action. Yeah. Malcolm Fraser without his trousers. That sort of idea. <laughs> Tony Abbott eating an onion. That's sort of, I reckon, so we get more into that sort of idea. That's my idea. Because the, the, the concept of statues is too old-fashioned. Yeah. We've got to get modern. So just have a bit of fun with it. That's, yeah. that's my. What about opinion. Tony Abbott drunk in the house? Exactly right. With his feet on, on the couch, that, just lying on a couch. Yeah, that, beautiful. Oh, yeah, we could have a number of Tony Abbott ones. It'd be great. <laughs> wouldn't ever, wouldn't ever really love that. Jean, what, what, do you, what would you like to see? Well, the first, the first one I don't want to see is Clover Moore's folly. You know, it, it's it's already known as a tapeworm, and it won't be known as anything else. It's called the tapeworm, and although it could be officially titled the Big Stupid, <laughs> or your taxes at work. <laughs> I mean, aesthetically, it has the important role of totally screwing up the Queen Victoria building and the town hall and every other heritage building in sight. And this important task used to be done by the frigging monorail. Remember when the monorail was up and we get rid of that and now we've got this giant tapeworm. I mean, as a compromiser and a big money saver, we could actually go ahead and build the tapeworm, sure, but we could make it around a metre high. And then everyone could, you know, chain their bikes to it. And that'd be all right. Yeah. So, R- R- Rob Carlton, what would you like to see? Oh, I like the tapeworm. <laughs> I do. I think we're teasing it. I love these things. I think when you go to a city, like, like they've got a number of, of these down in Melbourne. Um, and to me, I'm not what a monstrosities. Well, no, just, just amazing kind of interesting things, like the big yellow sticky thing. Um, that you draw in the, in the yellow arms. And so I honestly looked at this and I thought, man, you give it a crack. Feels like it could be done for a little cheaper than $11.8 million. But the, as an idea... Yeah, it was 11.3 a minute ago, which shows how quickly it's going up. And <laughs> <laughs> Kim Jong-un just fought another one over there. So, but, but I do. So I like it. So I'm not a knocker, to be honest with you. I think it's a beautiful thing and I think it'll actually lift the spirits and I think a little bit of money spent on some wacky weird stuff is, is OK by me. If I was going to... The only thing I could think of, and it's not even an Australian mm-hmm. statue, it's really a Sydney statue... 
um, was like a giant uh, smashed avocado and feta. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but then, of course, that would cost heaps more than $11.3 million, <laughs> So I'm out. And it would just, the plaque would say, Millennials weep. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, now, the Wheel of Death, uh, when our lovely oh. audience came in here at 5 o'clock, they threw these random titles onto this chocolate wheel. Today's titles are Volcanoes, Section 44, Gastro, Nothing, Nappies, Petticoat and curtains. Is that right? <laughs> Plastic bags, paradox, democracy, cheap airfares, ingrown toenails, dinosaurs, sisters, country music. And we're back to volcanoes. Subby Valentine, which fools you full of fear? We've discussed paradox. I don't know what it means. <laughs> so that's not ideal as a starting point. Um, Do you know what Section 44 is? You're up to no, your we'll, constitutional we'll, law? Well, we'll wing it. We'll wing yeah, it. That'll yeah. be fine. I'll yeah. get, I've got advice. I've got learned colleagues, oh, yeah. so uh, yeah. it's fine. Now, we've got George Williams locked in the piano. He'll be fine. <laughs> Here we go. Round and round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Today's topic for Mr Subby Valentine, randomly selected by our audience, is country music. Oh. Country music. Country Who music. That? Oh, thank you. Country music is a uh, topic uh, close to my heart. Uh, I actually grew up with country music. Uh, hated it. Uh, but that, as a kid, because we had that experience where I grew up, my dad used to play country music all the time. Uh, Johnny Cash and uh, Charlie Pride and uh, a lot of people who sounded like Johnny Cash and Charlie Pride. Because uh, that's probably it. That's the once you've heard the one album, you've realised that it's all the same. <laughs> Uh, don't get me wrong, I love a bit of Johnny now. Uh, I love his work, but really, uh, you know, except for the... Is there any difference in the music? You're nodding. I don't think there is. Because I had best of country music. It was just one song. Over and over and over again. So it's a... Well, look, I have gone through a period of uh, country music. I think you're zipping your mouth because you're very upset at me for uh, pagging your country music. But it's got a lot to be said for it. It's fantastic. It, uh, you know, when you think... Uh, you're a bit depressed and things aren't going well for you, listen to some country music and your life's looking a whole lot better because don't those people have shit lives? What is going on with country music? Have they ever said anything nice? Johnny Cash has got a song. At the end of the song, he hangs. He literally hangs. It's a countdown to him dying. How does he sing the song? He's dead. It doesn't even make any sense. There's only five seconds to go. And he's dead. What is that? I don't want to listen. I'm trying to have some fun here. I want to go, hey, come on, let's go and listen to some music. Oh, the singer just died. <laughs> That's not ideal. And, of course, we've got all the classic cliches. You've got your divorce. You've got your dog. You've got a song called Divorce, for God's sake. I mean, the, the, the good thing about that, they do spell it right, which a lot of people I've known in country music, that's quite an achievement. So that was probably how that one went really well. That was a bit harsh, wasn't it? Sorry. You expect me to come out and just say nice things about country music? That's not going to be funny. Gotta go hard on it. Uh, but look, 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 there are people who like country music. You're clearly one of them. And, um, you know, good luck to you. <laughs> um, it's, got, it's got a great future. That's the thing, country music. Um, I can see it really developing as a, as a, as a musical format. Because, uh, gee, it's progressed a lot, hasn't it, over the last 50 years? Really changed a lot. Those new country artists, gee, they're really zinging away on the uh, zeitgeist, aren't they? They really know what's going on. So uh, you stick with it. You stick with it. And uh, we won't. There's Happy Valentine on a copy of Country Music. Does he die? Does he die? Does he, does he live? Yeah.
lives. I actually quite like country music. I really like country music. It just, yeah, wouldn't, have been, it yeah. just wouldn't have been funny. It I went is through, a bit more than I actually it. went through a stage. Yeah. I went through the big country music stage when I used to go and see the Happen and Thang, who were a local Sydney band. Yeah, I used yeah. to have the boots and the thing. Yeah. I went to Tamworth once, yeah. slept in a tent for a week. Worst thing I ever did. <laughs> you go out till three in the morning, drinking beer and having fun, watching some music. Then you wake up at six with the sun coming in and you're in the showground with 4,000 other people in tents trying to use the one toilet block. 3,099 of them are, sp- are playing the lager phone they've made themselves. Yeah, that's right. From <laughs> last night's beer time. bottle oh, tops. Man. But good, good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, sorry, I don't think you can have a Bobby Chway. Although that sounds like a country yeah. and western song, yeah, that's really. Right. That's right. <laughs> the right, songs yeah. are miserable, though. One of my favourite is Jim Reeves' song about the horse that dies. And he's, <laughs> he, goes, he goes all the way through the snowstorm and they get closer Doesn't and closer. Doesn't he die as well? They all die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's trying to get to, It's only 50 miles to Marianne or whatever. Yeah, is that yeah. name? Well, is that and by the, end of the song, by the end of the song, it's 50 yards yeah, to yeah, Marianne. Yeah, yeah. But they can't quite see the house lights, so they just... And the, the horse down. sits down and they think, oh, well, I can't, I don't want, I don't want to leave the horse. So yeah. he sits down... And I think they find it. He was only he's 50 yards from Marianne. <laughs> and he's frozen. He's dead. But again, again, your question, how does he sing the song? <laughs> I don't know. I don't so know. So a whole musical form in which all the songs are being sung by dead <laughs> people. <laughs> oh, uh, now, uh, residents of Ashfield took it upon themselves this week to paint a dedicated turning lane at a local bottleneck. Someone just did it, uh, with locals saying it did actually help traffic flow and that the council should have done it years ago and could they please paint it properly. Uh, if you took it upon yourself to create your own road signs, what would you do? Rob Carlton. I reckon I'd just paint over all of the existing ones. Just not all at once, that'd cause chaos. Mm-hmm. I'd, fa- I'd phase it in uh, month by month. I- honestly, if... Mate, you've got to have a degree in literature to drive a car in Sydney. These There are that many signs. You've got to be a speed reader, mm. Richard, and you're meant to concentrate on the road. It's impossible to text while you're doing all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so I would get back to basics. I, I'd, get, I'd, I'd lose all the signs, and then that way it would, people would truly have to concentrate. They'd have to be absolutely present in their car on the road to stay alive because nothing keeps people focused than their, the threat of losing their own life. Mm. In so the, the red lights and green lights, the traffic lights going as well? Mate, no, you wouldn't have to paint over them. you just turn them off. Um, <laughs> but zebra, I, zebra, zebra crossings? Uh, you'd only have to paint half of them. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now, there I like, is... I like the way you cajoled that applause out of the audience there. That was very good. I didn't, 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 didn't do a thing. Um, there, but there's one sign I would leave because it's a funny sign. And it's only funny if you're a cyclist and you know what cyclists are like. But you know that where you're driving along and if you're a driver, you'll see... And it'll say, um, beware cyclists, narrow shoulders. <laughs> right? And that's about the, the road having narrow shoulders and so the cyclist... But if you know cyclists, they've got narrow little shoulders. <laughs> they got funny. And so to me, I, I, love, I love that stuff. <laughs> I'm a simple man. When I was a kid, and I used to see those signs, soft edges, and I always just assumed it said soft eggs, <laughs> and that they were you could buy them somewhere. <laughs> I don't know why. That's and a... we've got to have the sign that says "dip ahead," so every father can say, "You'll need to bring some jats with you, son." Oh, yeah. <laughs> I definitely paint that one over. <laughs> the dads love the high wind area as well. That's always a bit of a point. <laughs> Jean, what uh, signs do you want? Um, I'd like a sign around uh, saying "Warning, Audis in a hurry." 
<laughs> because all Audis seem to be in a hurry and they're always pushing you on the road and if they get behind you, they're just like, they just go real, like they're in a hurry. Yeah. Everyone's in a hurry. So I'd like a warning. Well, they owe a lot of money on those vehicles. I know. They've got to get to work to make the money to pay Audi for the drivers, Audi. Any? And it's, uh, I think they're in a real hurry when they get home. Oh, you've got an Audi. Yeah, yeah well. Can you, can you stop pointing to the woman in the tight tiara? <laughs> tiara. Tiara, sorry. <laughs> you say tiara. <laughs> I say tiara. Um, I'd like a sign right outside my house that says, I park here. My parking spot. Mm. Or I'd like to write a little... I just, I've always thought I'd just go outside with a spray can and put one of those lines just near my driveway because um, the people park across my drive and I can't get out of my carport. I've only got a carport and I can't get out because they, they can't... Drive, they park across. Yeah. across. You that's, when you that. can, that's when you can paint their car with a coin. Oh, no, I wouldn't. Oh, gee. Oh, Rob. That's very anti-community. That's no, very... Yeah, but it's very pro. This is my house back <laughs> off. So... I'd like a sign that says, merge means merge. Look it up, asshole. <laughs> and one more sign I'd like near all the schools around my place anyway. Four-wheel drive, school run, caution... Panzer's Crossing. <laughs> They're like tanks. Yeah. Sally, so, what, uh, what signs are you going to plant? I had a few the same as Jean, so the ones I've got... Oh, I reckon there should be just a, a sign, because of Sydney traffic, that just says, everybody chill out. <laughs> and it's just yeah. everywhere. Because you know what I mean? Because people are just freaking out out there. There's, it's tough. So just tell people to relax. And maybe another one saying, you know, you should have caught the train. Just a bit of that. <laughs> just, to, just to put things into perspective. A bit of that. And also, I think it should be a bit more flexibility with signs because they're, so, they're so rigid, aren't they? Stop! <laughs> well, you know, help me out. Oh, you know, maybe... Or, so it should be things like, no right turn, unless you're late for work. And then, you know, but be careful. Just do it carefully. You know, a bit of that sort of stuff. A bit of flexibility. We've all got stuff to do. We can't just obey... The, you know, so what, the it's not Nazi Germany! So the stop sign says, inch your way forward, swivelling your head rapidly. If you don't see anything, you can go. Exactly right. It's a lot to fit on a sign. Yeah, but we all know what it means. You know. Well, you have got those signs that say, turn left on red light with care. Exactly. That's quite light. So more of that sort of crap. Yeah, more of that. And the other one I like, you see that sign a lot that says, um, prepare to stop. And and again, being in Sydney, the way the traffic is, there should be a lot more of them. (laughs) Because wherever you're driving... You think you're going fine, oh, no, you've got to stop. <laughs> so at least if you know you're going to prepare, you can prepare yourself yeah. and do your texting because yeah. that's, yeah, that's what you're going to do. So parking, parking lot ahead, it's called the M5. <laughs> that's right, exactly. <laughs> uh, who were the winners and losers of this week's Happy Valentine? Winners and losers of the week. Uh, oh, is it, I think the winner is uh, Donnie Trump because he doesn't get to be a winner very often. But this week he's a winner because um, Melania's copping all the flack. <laughs> so uh, she's come out wearing the stupid shoes, uh, wading through the... Uh, the Meter floods in her stilettos. So Donnie's looking pretty good there for a minute. He, but hang he, on, he, how know. high were the floods? Yeah, well, not, no, <laughs> not quite appropriate. Yeah, yeah. The thing was, but her heels were dry, but her toes were wet. That was the problem. She, she, she got platforms, yeah. I'm on her side. Okay. But it's the stiletto, that's, that's, yeah. that, that's where she had issues. So she's the, uh, Donnie's the winner. Uh, and the loser, uh, I'd say, would be, uh, uh, oh, look, I can't, look, it kills me to say this, but Australian sporting teams. National sporting teams. Yeah, it yeah. pains me to say it. I was all geared up to say winner. Socceroos. Yeah, yeah. So they played Japan. Russia. They played Japan. So they like lost. Yeah. The cricket has lost to Bangladesh. Uh, thank God for the women, is all I can say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
So we got some games. So I'm going to go okay, and see. You, you the, watched uh, the Socceroos last night. I didn't watch yeah. it, but apparently they had possession 60 percent. Yeah, of the time. but they were no, it was rubbish. Anyway, let's not even talk about it. It was, it was too sad. But the good news is, uh, in two weeks, the Matildas are playing at uh, Pepper Stadium in Penrith, and it's just about sold out. I'm going, and it's going to be very exciting. So yeah. the girls are going to do the job for us. So that'll be all right. Thank God for the women, Jinkerton. Oh, well, the winner, I would say, is Senator Kate Gallagher, you know, who woke up one morning to find she was Ecuadorian. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? So that means she can legally eat guinea pigs. <laughs> and it means she's only sort of one degree removed from Julian Assange. <laughs> so that's good. And How do you pronounce Julian's name again? Julian Assange. <laughs> can we all try that together? Julian Assange. Yes, and the losers... Did we know she was Ecuadorian when we saw her in the parliamentary dining room chasing after a guinea pig? Was that the <laughs> That was should that the have been giveaway. the giveaway. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. She should have thought about that yeah, yeah, yeah. when she had this hankering for I, hamsters. I see, I see Hinch now is an American. He's, he's got a problem too. Oh, he's... well, he's been on an American pension. But isn't he from New Zealand originally? Yes, well, he's, he's probably... Yeah. But he's given up the New Zealand thing, but he's still got the US pension. He what we so. don't want is diversity in our politicians, <laughs> right. actually. We just don't <laughs> want right. any diversity. No more multiculturalism. No, right. Just like the Aussies. And do you see Matt Canavan has changed his story. Matt Canavan is the one who blamed his Italian mother for giving it. He now says he got citizenship automatically when he was two. Oh, has not, he changed it, his story? Changes, yeah. Well, it's all going to come out in the high he, court. He changed his story after his mother ripped his ear off. But <laughs> <laughs> You're not here, boy. Blaming your mama. <laughs> I know. I'd do the same if I was his mother. Good. You dobbed your mother in publicly. Yeah, yeah. I'm just doing the right thing. Clearly not Italian, as many people observe. Yeah. Or well, you yeah. wouldn't have done that. Uh, like who were the, losers, the, the losers of the Australian cricket team flogged by Bangladesh. You know, I think perhaps Australian, Australia would get a better result if they were actually paid by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? They'd stretch it out. A few more runs. <laughs> they wouldn't end the game after. Mind you, it was good to see the underdog win. They've no, only not, played about win, yeah. five times, I think. And also, just... they, you know, let's face it, they're doing it tough yeah. in Bangladesh right now. Yeah, so cheer them could, on. Yeah, they could do. They were doing the, and they're not that bad. People are saying it's the worst result ever. They're not, they're not bad. And it's in Bangladesh. It's a tough gig. So. The, the bowling was good, apparently. Yeah, they're yeah. quite good. Okay. Why Rob, is it a tough gig in Bangladesh? It's always tough playing away from home in these places. Oh, because they're not used to the they're not used to the pitch. They're not used to the the it's, tropical winds. But right. is it dusty and so it's they have to, yeah. well, they have to eat. It's got they have to eat, stalls have, on a market. The whole market for, in the middle of the pitch. The team has to eat foreign foods unless, yeah. like Shane Warne, they're wise enough to take their own baked they beans, and <laughs> which in turn creates the tropical winds we were talking about. <laughs> Go back to the high wind area, Jack. Well done. <laughs> Who were the winners and losers? Rob Carlton. I've just discovered I've been um, e- eating guinea pig illegally. <laughs> I had no idea that was a crime. <laughs> Luckily, Rob's from the central coast where it's allowed. It's, it's a special, it's, it's it's a special it's guinea a, pig eating it's a, it's a, area. It's a bi-weekly celebration. Um, <laughs> so twice a week lo- or every two so, weeks? So I'm the, I'm the loser of the week um, oh. because of the whole guinea pig yeah. thing. That was heartbreaking, <laughs> Heart, heartbreaking to learn. Um, the winners of the week are obviously Casey Donovan, whom I'm still moved by her yeah, singing. Fantastic. Earlier on. 
Um, and, and the other winners of the week, um, we talk about sporting teams and all of those sorts of things. I've got a couple here um, looking forward and looking back. Uh, Warringah Rats. Uh, Club rugby is alive and well in this country and it's great to see the tribalism and all the families and everyone going down and enjoying that. Uh, and uh, because I won't be here next Friday, the Swannies are on Saturday week against yeah. Essendon at home. Please and cheer on the Swannies and please thank Gene Kitson, Sophie Valentine and Rob Carlton. Please thank Casey Donovan as well. Uh, next week, Zoe Kuzma, James O'Loughlin and Tommy Dean. Music from Fanny Lumsden next week. I'm Richard Glover. Thank God it's Friday. It's now over to Andrew Moore and the footy at the Olympic Stadium. Oh, Eels versus Rabbitohs! Yeah!